At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. What's up, y'all? It's your boy David with Blackwell Renaissance, and I'm here today to tell you guys about Anchor. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it's the best place to make a podcast. Anchor is a free app that has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast straight from your phone. Anchor also distributes your podcast across all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. You can also make money on your podcast with Anchor with no minimum listenership. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're looking to get started on your own podcast, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. I woke up feeling wealthy today. My bank account might not agree, but hey, that shit on the way. Me and my niggas laying brick on top of brick till we straight. If you the type that play the victim, you can't come in my space. You know this game ain't for the weak, it's hard to carry this weight. I keep my balance through the ups and downs, I'm never gonna break. You feel the purpose in my spirit when you look in my face. Cause this ain't a second, I can waste something food on place. Fumbled the bag, I still ain't got that disappointment to shake. So now I'm trying to double up on every dollar I make. Money don't buy you happiness, it sure don't take it away. I'm smiling hard as hell, every time I step in the we can't be making reckless moves, cause there's so much at stake. When you got some shit to lose, your decisions gon' change. Cause every action got a consequence. Consider your ways. Hardest thing to do in life is elevate through your pain. I can't relate to feeling like your life is stuck in the face. Giving effort, but results just keep remaining the same. Have some patience with yourself. Shit ain't as bad as you claim. I seen the homeless nigga smile while he was standing in rain. It's all about perspective. Chillin', catching blessings, and cryptocurrency been busting, and I'm well invested. She know that if she rock with me, then she gon' stay protected. Cause even when this shit get hectic, I ain't never stressing. I'm legend. I woke up feeling wealthy today. My bank account might not agree, but hey, that shit on the way. Me and my niggas laying brick on top of brick till we straight. If you the type that play the victim, you can't come in my space. You know this game ain't for the weak, it's hard to carry this weight. I keep my balance through the ups and downs, I'm never gonna break. You feel the purpose in my spirit when you look in my face. Cause this ain't a second, I can waste, I'm putting food on place. Yeah. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast. Your boy David Bellar, one fourth of the Black Wealth Renaissance, checking in with my co-host for the episode. Jalen, how you feeling, my brother? What's good? What's good? What's good? It's your boy Jalen, man. Another quarter of the Black Wealth Renaissance. I'm feeling good, feeling great. Wish I was looking a little bit better because uh as y'all can see, we got an in-person guest. If you're yeah, watching man. this, man, and this man. I'm just saying, man. He the, fresh, these, bro. These brothers is pressure, man. This episode we about to have is about to be a good on the, Yeah, on the other side of the screen, he's spiffy too, man. Got the jacket, got the <laughs> the layers like he said, man. Yeah, Come man. On, man. This, like we said, got another special episode for y'all with some special guests. Before we get into it real quick, want to ask everybody to like, subscribe, rate, comment on the platform. Leave that five-star five star reviews. Review. I need yeah, that. We need that. We need that. Y'all keep pushing it, sharing it with your family. And we about to get into it. So as you can see, 
this very dapper brother to the right of me, man. This, these brothers out here killing yeah. it in the game. They own Black Menswear Co. is a black menswear company that's empowering the community, like through imagery, not just imagery, but also like with their unique style and their brand and their business and just all around. Like I love the business that y'all got going on, Mr. Neandre Broussard and my brother Edwin Marshall. How y'all doing? Man, we're doing well. Appreciate doing you guys well. having us. Yeah. Hey man, appreciate you for coming in. Thank you, Evan, man. Evan definitely changed the trajectory of Black Author Renaissance. Thanks. He came to us last December, I think, November, December, with a deal that really just changed the way that we thought. So uh, definitely want to say thank you to both of you brothers. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. And thank y'all for y'all. taking the time out to hop on the podcast with us this Saturday. Nah, appreciate man. you driving out. Nah, for sure, man. Appreciate y'all uh, having us. And again, welcome to Triple D. You know what I'm saying? Welcome to Dallas. Um, We're loving it, Hope y'all liking it out here. Yeah. (laughs) Like that. For everybody unfamiliar, if y'all ever saw a picture on Instagram, Facebook, you just seen a bunch of black men in suits just looking spiffy and dapper. These two men is behind this shit. I'm I'm gonna say the one that I know everybody know. Y'all seen that picture of that little boy with the fist up. Yeah. I know y'all seen that one. That one was powerful, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Thank y'all. I am Neandre Broussard. I'm a founder, CEO of Black Menswear. And, you know, to that point, the whole idea behind it was if we can put out so much positive images of Black men, mm-hmm. whenever you look up a Black man on Google or something, mm. you're going to see something that we put out, right? You're going to mm. see positivity. And so as young Black boys are seeing themselves and seeing how the media portrays them, we are going to be behind changing that and shifting that narrative and changing the narrative for the positive more so for our people. So, because again, we, we talked about it a little bit before. You see negative all the time, you're going to be negative. Mm-hmm. You inject positivity into their lives on a daily basis, especially on social media. Like they all on there mm-hmm. and they only see, oh, that brother clean, that brother clean. But what does he do? Even it gets them to drive and, and shift even more. So, just how we can use our platform to change the narrative is really kind of how we look at it. And, then, you know, even my guy Evan talks about this all the time. And I'll let him introduce this aspect of it is people outside of the rooms that we go into don't know we exist, mm-hmm. right? even not just from this entrepreneurial perspective, but even in my day job, right? Being a sales regional wholesaler in a top 10 life insurance company. People don't know, you know, no. people in this role exist. Evan being an ad exec. And I, you know, again, I pitch it to him, but like, that's a heavy part of it too. Mm-hmm. Just giving that exposure. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. And Dre hit it the nail on the head. Cause one thing we like to say, even you all, right? Like y'all got one of the bigger podcasts. We just talked about y'all doing 30,000 listens a week, 10 K downloads. And y'all talking about black wealth. Financial literacy, like you have to have credibility to be able to earn the following that you all have, even within that. But if y'all just walking down the street, keep it 100, people look at you like, what them two dudes do? They don't do nothing, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. how do you even kind of let your reputation precede you? And the only way that people even know that you're out here is you got to let that story be told. So our goal is to kind of even highlight brothers like yourselves, the Black doctor, the lawyer, the engineer, that they don't know about that because Black excellence comes in all forms. You don't got to be mm-hmm. James. You don't got to be... Michael B. Jordan, right? You don't got to be young thug. You don't got to be rapper, athlete, entertainer. You can be any, you can be successful within every field. And even in Black excellence is what you define it as, right? As long as you wake up every single day and you think that you are the best person that you can be and you trying to be the best person that you can be every single day, that's Black excellence in itself. So how do we do that? How do we encourage people to feel that? Dre tells, like to tell the story, we was in Atlanta and there was this young kid that walked up to him and told him, like, man, to be honest with you, I was thinking about dropping out of school. But just being here around all y'all brothers and all y'all men today, I'm good. He and he 
he needed talking to. He ain't need no counsel. It was just that energy he felt mm-hmm. by other people that were on the same goals and same ambitions he had. It was like, I'm good. I ain't got to worry about dropping out. I'm good. I'm no motivated to move forward because there's other people out here like me that can intrinsically motivate me. So that's what it's all about. So if we can get that one person, each image, each podcast listen, but we can affect one person like that. That's what it's all about. It ain't about the money. It ain't about the followers. It ain't about that. If we can get that one person to be like, you know what? I'm going to keep pushing forward to become the best version of me. That's what it's about. I love, I love it. Yeah, I love it. I said, y'all hear all them brands coming through. Yeah, all yeah, those, yeah uh, I hear it. I hear it. <laughs> <laughs> all the emails he getting over there. No. <laughs> you don't ever get, you stay with it, man. So, man, I just want to like take it origin. We're going to get yeah, right yeah, into it. Yeah. How did y'all two connect? Like what, <laughs> and what made y'all two say, okay, we're going to push out these positive in it, images and change the trajectory of what we see our community headed towards? So Evan and I actually met randomly at a urban league young professionals meeting here in Dallas. Mm-hmm. And it was Evan, myself, two other brothers and like 50 women in the room. Damn. So we initially Naturally was like, we, we just like, what's up, bro? <laughs> <laughs> it was really like that. And then, I mean, bro, we clicked, you know, immediately. And that was 2000, I want to say 2010, 2011, when Evan was down here and he was working and I was working today. We were trying to, you know, we were both trying to find our adulthood in a new mm-hmm. city, you know, at that point. And, we connected and at that point I was throwing some parties and I invited him to a party and he came and he had a good time and you know we just continued to develop and then how we've both developed in our professions over the last 10 years that's a story in itself mm-hmm. you know and then how and I say this all the time and Evan was the one that told me from a black men's work perspective so he started from the very beginning of what we were showcasing and putting out and you know positioning other people and doing that he was the one that was like if you want this to really grow you have to create your own content right mm. that changed our whole mindset of what we were trying to do but just having a homie in the corner that's like, bro, I love what you're doing. I love the impact that you're having. And then for that, you know, that aspect of it. And then as we continue to grow, what he would just give me from a business perspective and branding and partnering, it was natural. Where I was like, bro, I need you mm-hmm. <laughs> as a part of this, right? I can only do so much. And I you have, have an expertise. Yes. You have expertise. I have expertise. I need you mm-hmm. to be a partner in this. And, you know, that's how. But even that, all that comes back to just the relationship and growing, developing over time, and then taking both of us looking at each other like, oh, man, you're really skilled in this aspect. You're really skilled in this mm-hmm. aspect. Let's create something together. That's what I would say how we've gotten to this point now. Mm. I know you had something to chime in on, E. No, you 100%. I mean, he hit the nail on the head. I think one of the things that with our relationship with our team in general, Dre, myself, Jacob, who's our Taylor Rock, who's our creative director, is like, not only do we empower each other to be own their skill sets, but they're really good. We also hold each other accountable. Mm-hmm. Not a good team accountability is key right a lot of yeah. times it's like no bro like you gotta that wasn't your role pass that role off to him like yeah. rock like Evan, like no rock you lead the creative content i can give you my input but this is your job you mm-hmm. do video you do all the photos this is your job i'm gonna refer to you dre when it comes to scaling his business you the ceo like you make last decision me had a partnership jacob does the suits that's Jacob's real house. I'm not going to tell Jacob how to do that. Like that's, mm-hmm. and I think that's kind of really key as a team. And then going back to the original part in terms of how we started working together, I think it's kind of just like, kind of even how we got connected, David and Jalen. When you see somebody, even with you all, like I saw the opportunity to bring the brand new I did to you all because I looked at it, okay, it's not about necessarily what they're talking about in terms of Black wealth renaissance in terms of financial literacy. What they are talking about is Black entrepreneurship and Black business. So the mm-hmm. You're working on at the time while on a high level, you might not think that it's associated with it is, 
if we put the right messaging in there, if you put the right narrative in there, it does authentically tell your story, not only enhances your brand, but your brand enhances the company that you partner with, right? Mm -hmm. That's also what I'm good at in terms of like, sometimes a lot of people like to be, you want to, people talk about like, you don't want to be amongst the trees. You want to be looking at the forest of you. I'm actually like on the opposite. Like sometimes if you're not amongst the trees, you don't actually see what's going on. Because you're the ground level. Yep, you look at it at such high level that you actually missing what's actually going on in the day-to-day standpoint and actually how you can do the interconnectivity of everything. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, shout out to Urban League. That's what Urban League does. Yeah, I was, I was going hundreds of years. Shout out to Urban League. And it's, you know, again, like the aspect of having that network. Like I've always mm-hmm. been, that's one thing. I wish I would have known this before I went to college. That's something that they don't tell you about the college that you're selecting, you're choosing, right? Mm-hmm. You want to go somewhere you can also tap into the network yeah. and network Thanks. and connect. Because that's, I mean, I went to a great college, great university. I did learn. But I think the biggest thing that I learned out of that whole thing, you got to plug in with people. You got to network Thanks. and consistently network and maintain relationships. Mm-hmm. And we don't tell people that going into college, okay, go. You know, this is the most academically rigorous place you go, which is great. You know, you're going to refine your skill set there. But you need to be able to network. Like that should be a freshman mm-hmm. orientation. This is how to network. Like and that's a problem with the school system altogether. Like it's a real individualistic approach. Like to they try to really mm. make you think individually, whereas yeah. like that networking is gonna get you further than right. being mm-hmm. that straight A top student right. who doesn't have people skills and nobody knows who the hell right. you are. Because I was nowhere near straight A's in college. In high school it was yeah. yeah plus yeah. I got to college though. It was I a good had, time. I had, to, I, had, I, had, I, had, I had to network my way out of college. <laughs> 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 so, but. That's something that we've also highlighted on our show. And that was one of the reasons why we started Black Author Renaissance, because we wanted to teach the people who are up and coming the things that we didn't learn while mm-hmm. we were in school. Yeah. And we all realized that that was something that really helped us strengthen our, strengthen our college experiences. We all were able to build a strong network. I know that was something I took from school. Like mm-hmm. I joined a fraternity. I joined Alpha Phi Alpha. And like just me being able to expose myself. I told him this like earlier this week. I was like, yo, bro, like I literally know people from all over the country just by being me taking advantage of going to these different uh, regionals, going Mm -hmm. to our different events. But even as far as like traveling to the parties, if you understand how to network, you can bump into people, you can have a good time, but still capture that concept, still figure out how you can, build some synergy and how you can add value to one another. Because even like outside of like the business side, there's people I met from partying and from having a good time that later came back full circle. Mm -hmm. That I was still able to loop in and help. Like just this week, we use one of the brothers that he would always DJ for a lot of school. Yeah. Like he even DJed some parties at my school. Like, and it's crazy because like, you know him as the DJ, but he came and helped us out with this event that was really powerful and that was really mm-hmm. impactful. Mm-hmm. So like to that token of networking, don't go to college just to have a good time and not build that network. Mm-hmm. Right. Because that's going to be one of the things that's going to carry you throughout your lifetime. Build the skills that you need in school, mm-hmm. but also build that network. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Now I kind of want to go a little bit more into y'all journey. So like y'all first link 2011 at the urban league, shout out to networking, obviously <laughs> like when did the first, idea for black men's well come into fact the idea like you said y'all started creating your own content so like what was the first iteration of black men so the first iteration of black men's was really i was sitting watching tv it was post philando castillo mm-hmm. and like even on that because the thing that really hit me about that one right mm-hmm. all of the other ones 
there was conversations that they could make it seem as though mm-hmm. they did something wrong mm-hmm. and they were able to paint a picture that once the public got a hold of it, it was a wrap. Philander Castile was nothing. Mans did everything. Nothing. Right. right. I informed you of what I do have. I have a license to carry. I'm not going for it. It's on me, but I'm just giving you that forewarning. I ain't. I'm getting, you asked me for my ID. I'm going for that. Pulls out his ID, gets shot. Right. Even in that, the news perception was still somewhat tainted. Like they was trying to make him they were the trying bad guy. To, yeah. And so from that, I'm like, man, even this guy that's a father, engaged, have with a baby the, on the, the way, like in the car, in the car and doing it. Because one thing, the fact that the brother had a license to carry, <laughs> that in itself was like, okay, this brother doing it. He's an upset. Like everybody can't get it. Yeah, yeah, right. And again, at that moment when they tried to depict this, that's what hit me. And so I was just sitting there like, man, like, what can I do to make sure that that doesn't happen no more? Because what happens if something happens to me? How are they going to depict me? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's really what it was. Like, man, how are they going to tell my story if I haven't run in with the police and it turns out fatal? How bad are they going to try to make my picture? And so, man, that was the moment where it was a, all right, well, let's start this platform to showcase brothers mm-hmm. that don't positively get showcased. Let's just showcase brothers. And use, you know, the suit aspect. I mean, I was in financial services, so the, the suit, the business suit and you know, all that kind of grew up in the church. So I've seen the guys that wear suits tend to have something to do. Mm-hmm. You got somewhere to go. You got opportunity, Some something, you know what I'm saying? Something. And so just even from the basis of that, just using that as a leverage point to get people just to tap in, just look, like, okay, mm-hmm. what's going on? And then, man, from there, it was just a consistent nugget drop from God. Like, okay, do this, do that. And then listening to that and mm-hmm. following that, that's really how it got to where it was today. Even the fact that when we started these flash miles and it was four people at a small shoot, Jacob being one of them. And from that, seeing the content that came out of that and being like, yo, this can be like, let's do something bigger. Mm-hmm. And hearing that voice say, go bigger. And then we do a flash mob. We got 25 brothers at eight o'clock on a Saturday in Dallas. And at that point we were like, in okay, suits. in suits, in mm-hmm. suits and running to be like, hey, yo, Y'all done? Hold on. Let me get some in. My bad, I'm late. You know, just that, like, people wanted to be there and be a part. And then it just consistently continued to grow and grow. That's when we started developing our own content. Mm-hmm. It's when we started doing the flash mob. And that's what kind of continued to catapult us. And then, too, it became a networking opportunity. Mm-hmm. So it's not just we getting pictures. We got 25 entrepreneurs, business owners, doctors, lawyers, philanthropists, accountants. It wasn't here. The dudes in the suits got something here. to do. Yeah. Building, building our own ecosystems. And then even from that, as that continues to develop again, bringing in Evan to where, you know, that was my, that was my, vi- you know, where my creativity lied in maintaining that and then turning that, in, you know, to the business part. And then having Evan come to the table mm-hmm. to say, okay, well, let's continue to tell this story and tell this narrative, but let's branch out into the corporate space to where they're trying to tell these similar stories, but they can't do it like we do. Mm. And then now we're able to shift that into a whole extra gamut of business versus mm-hmm. just being a content creator. So, Originally, just telling the stories, like you said, just trying to change the image. When did the suits come in? Like, when did actually tailoring and making the suits come into play as well? Man, that's like step five. That was a back end. That was something that we were like, we got to market. We might mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. 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 I, was, I, I, was, I was wondering how yeah. that, So, like, did y'all just find Jacob and partner with him? Like, Man, how- so I'll let Evan. So, again, Evan introduced me to Jacob like four years ago. And then as Jacob grew we recognized his ability mm-hmm. and then it became like another one of those natural mergers, mm-hmm. you know, national partnerships, but it was Evan introduced us. Evan met, where y'all met at? Uh, uh, yeah. So that goes back to that networking thing, coming back full circles. 
you know, I do the ad side, nine to five. I was a guest on this panel at this conference called Menfluential in Atlanta. I was only black panelists, maybe there the whole weekend. Uh, so I was speaking on the panel. Jacob just came in as an attendee. Afterwards, he was like, hey, you mind if I rap with you? I'm like, yeah, cool. Jacob was cool doing his uh, entrepreneurial. Back then, that's when he was doing a lot of conversations and speaking engagements about representation and how your image represents. Because back he was the image ambassador. So he went by the image ambassador and he was doing a lot of representation that way. And he was moving to Dallas. And I was like, oh, well, you got to rock with my man Dre out in Dallas. Because he was literally moving to Dallas like two or three weeks after that. So I just connected him, put him in text chain. And I kind of just stepped out of it. And then from that, you kind of see him build and grow and grow over time. And then I ended up coming to Dallas. I was like, yeah, they rock it full circle. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. uh, that's literally, I don't see how that happened. So. Nah, that's really dope. And I kind of want to talk about both of y'all professional careers as well. And how it played into their entrepreneurial yeah. journeys. Mm-hmm. And whoever wants to shoot first, like you said, your insurance, insurance, insurance sales. Yeah. yeah. So like, yeah. can you talk about how you took that and made it, transcended it? So I've always been in sales my mm-hmm. whole career. I got out of college. I went into retail sales from banking. Right. So I'm meeting clients and building relationships with clients and turning that into transactional accounts or credit cards or whatever. Mm-hmm. I learned very on, but that kind of also went back to me being a people person. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause if I can sit down and meet with you and in five minutes, I understand where we're going to go with this. Like that's how it helped, you know, build me up. So I went from that. Then I, you know, got into from banking into life insurance and now I'm a wholesaler. So I run my own region. Mm-hmm. I recruit agencies, independent agencies to come over and sell my products versus somebody else's products. That's hard. Damn, right? that is hard. And so, you know, even within that, not only do I do that, I also educate them on a better way to position life insurance mm-hmm. versus dying insurance, like living insurance, right? If you get sick, you can tap into this resource and get a tax-free check mm-hmm. from your life insurance policy to pay your medical expenses. People don't know that the majority of bankruptcies, personal bankruptcies come from medical, medical expenses. Yeah, I could believe it. And so if you can change the mindset of people buying life insurance instead of thinking of it as you know, final expense, that type of aspect, then we will help more people because then people are going to buy it not to die, but they're going to buy it to live mm-hmm. and to help me if, while I'm living and to help me that way. Right. And so growing that and then within that, helping my community to the sense of let me find some, look for some black agencies that I can help and provide the resource for because I'm the, I'm the guy that pays an agency. Yeah. Right. So we negotiate your payout. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I'm the dude that you're selling the products. That, like yeah, that's that's yeah. a different. I didn't, yeah, I didn't even. That's know a you. different angle with it. Like I've never actually met someone who sells the, he just the product. Just at the, the beginning, yeah. we didn't know this shit was going on. <laughs> right, we don't exactly, exactly. And so within that, like that, but for me, the whole thing about that is you have to meet people, you have to connect with people, mm-hmm. you have to develop relationships, and that come into black men's where it's the same mindset. And I'm helping other people develop relationships and I'm helping people find the better in themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. And so how that all comes in full circle is really taking, taking what you learn. One of my mentors told me this a long time ago. She said, every position you have, you learn from it. You hate the job. What are you learning from it? You love the job. What do you learn from it? And taking it to the next job that you have. Right. So even from that perspective, I've always been somebody that's been able to kind of see and get the good out of a situation mm-hmm. to where I can use that to leverage and further catapult. So, how that relates to this is, I mean, the synergies are the same, helping people and providing better solutions for people mm-hmm. and how we can provide a better solution or a better outlet for them mentally to see themselves and say, you know what? He right. I can be president of this, CEO of that, founder of that. I can launch mm-hmm. my own in the, in, you know, entrepreneurship, launch my own business and be successful in that because now I see more people doing that. Mm. I love it. Yeah. Um, for myself personally, 
I work at advertising. Advertising is a beauty. It's a beast in its own thing. It's a beauty in the beast. I say the beauty of it is that I really believe if you work in advertising, you can make systemic change and you can make impact. Because I'm focusing on your consumer profiles. I'm helping develop consumer behavior subconsciously. It's like the imagery that you see in all these commercials, the Instagram ads you get, the Facebook ads, like that impacts you, right? If I can do a better job of making sure we have representation, making sure that we do speaking to the audience, different targeting, even with the four of us, we're not homogenous, we're not monolithic. On paper, we're all the same. Same age group, college educated, high level branches that we should talk to Jalen, Evan, Andre, and David, all exactly the same. All four of us got different interests. Mm-hmm. Like if we all look at the same piece of content, I'm gonna take something different from it. David, you're gonna take something different from it. Jalen, you're gonna take something different. Neandre's gonna take something different of it. That's what I understand. So my job is like, if we can understand that, that helps move the needle forward. So from an advertiser, that's the beauty of it. The beast of it, it's only about, I mean, Blacks and advertisers, it's like going to college. It ain't about 6,000 of us <laughs> on agencies. So it's definitely not a six degrees of separation. It's probably about the two degrees of separation. So from that, everybody kind of knows everybody within that field. So from that, what I realized, especially in terms of how it applies to Black menswear, my job is I actually, I run influencer programs. As you all know, I work with brands, identify talent that work with my, uh, the brands that I have the budget for. Okay, how can we do that targeting? How can we make sure we have representation, especially on underrepresented groups? I don't ever use the word minority in my job. I use underrepresented group because minority has a negative connotation. You say minority, you automatically feel less than. So we mm-hmm. represent represented. So if you're underrepresented, now you might go as to put you out there so people know more about you. That's LGBTQ+, that's Hispanic audience, that's Asians, Americans, that's African Americans, Black, however you want to describe that. So from that, I realized, okay, it's hard to find Black talent especially Black male talent. Then I'm thinking, you know, we doing 150 this city, 150 this city. I know all these Black brothers that do that. Half these dudes, they like 30,000, 40,000. Some of them even got 200,000. And I'm talking to them like, well, how are y'all working with brands? Honestly, I don't really work with any brands. I mean, if a brand DMs me, that's all I got. I'm like, well, if I can't find you and you're not finding them, how do we solve this problem? Mm-hmm insert black menswear into that equation. So now what we do as an extension of one of our businesses is we actually have our own black male influencer network. We work about 16, 17 different guys, but we literally put them in front of brands and negotiate brand deals on their behalf. This year, we've already done deals with Corona, AT&T, Dallas Mavericks, eBay watches, Amazon, Bevel, Shea Moisture, and all those deals that drain on in them deals, we're brokering those deals and getting guys that we know, getting them paid. Right. And what we're doing even that's creating an ecosystem because it's not just them getting paid. It's a black photographer shooting that content that's getting paid. It's a black videographer that's getting paid. So that eight, nine, ten thousand dollars that's coming in, that four thousand dollars that's coming in. It's three different businesses that are making money off of that. Yeah. Keeping money within the community while at the same time going back to the nine to five. Now we have that representation of what I'm saying that shows that shows those faces and it kind of helped dispel and just, you know, debunk that systemic oppression that we have. So that's kind of how it comes together for me. Hey, that's dope, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's really dope. Like, that's amazing that you could take that skill and look at it from a, a, just a larger point of view. Because some people look at it just a job, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I just do this for those reasons. But like you were mentioning, all this stuff that you see affects you. All these things, they play a role into your thing. It made me think the way that, that messages movie, are uh, conveyed, everything. The, the social problem, yeah. all that. Like these things affect you. And it's important and impactful that y'all are doing that that way. I love that. So 
damn man, you, you kind of just bust my head when I ain't gonna lie. I, I, I kind of <laughs> I have one more question with you and your advertisement. How did you find your way into that industry? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, honestly, just networking. Same thing, just networking. One of the things I had a couple of other products I was working on at the time, you know, started doing a lot of freelance gig and started building content out of that way. And then just from networking, people were like, you know, you good at this. Why don't you start doing this freelance gig for us? So I worked with a couple of different agencies. They were just hiring me for like six to eight weeks doing freelance opportunities. From that, or kind of what you was just alluding to there, David, saying, okay, like what really is going on here? So as I'm there, I might be only six to eight weeks. I'm creating value. So they hit me up like, yo, you got to come back. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, or like if you don't come back, even if you'll come back, my friend that I know, she owns her own business. How can you help her with this? And then from that, honestly, I kind of people like I took a, you know, most people want to have you have a nine to five. So I used to work corporate retail. So I used to work at Lord and Taylor when I met Dre. I was looking for JC Penney corporate office. A lot of people have the situation where you want to have your nine to five and you want to become an entrepreneur. I had the entrepreneurial spirit, and that's put me in a different career path and put me in a new nine to five and a whole different career, right? And just understanding and creating value and learning over time. Like, this is what I can bring differently to this industry. Uh, and then from that, just kind of building and networking. And even the job I got right now at Weber Shaman, which is the second biggest PR firm in the world, my senior vice president, she actually posted this on Instagram. I had two different people who don't even know each other hit me up and be like, you should get this job. Like, this, you should apply for this job, right? So the day I interview you, the interview was like this. She looked at my resume and said, I know you can do this job. Why do you want to work here? <laughs> yeah. Right? Because it's like, cause she, like, on paper, it's like, it doesn't matter. I, I'm not worried about that. You can do this job. What yeah. value, why do you want to work here? And then I kind of broke down what we kind of just discussed here. She's like, you good, right? And it's like, and then from there, it's okay, creating value. I know Dre mentioned one of his mentors said, you learn from everything from your job. One of my mentors told me, every job you should approach with the 70-30 principle. 70% is what's automatically on that job. Hey, but that's on that job description. If you get in the interview, they know you can do that. They wouldn't even take the time to respond, set up that phone call, set up that face-to-face -face interview. And they didn't know you couldn't do that 70%. That's what anybody in the world can do technically who qualified for this position. What you need to uncover is that 30%. Once you get in there, what can you do? How can you impact this position that nobody else in the world can do? Whether that's Jalen, whether that's David, we can have the same job title, but we're going to do it differently. Mm -hmm. right? You might be the best at, you know, you know how to internally make sure everybody's dotting the I's, crossing the T's. Like, even though you're not the project manager, you could be the internal project manager. My job with Jay, like, I'm really good with relationships. I know how to maintain those relationships. So it's like, remember that, there's some celebrities, I'm not going to name names, because, oh, we ain't got the budget for him. For real? Hold on, let me hear, give me five, 10 minutes. Boom, boom, hit up their manager. Hey, bro, I only got this budget, but the program is dope. All right, man, for you, we got you. We'll do that for that. Cool. Mm -hmm. All right, they said they do it. How you do that? It's just like, that's just from relationships I built over time. Nobody else within my team can do that. Not to say that they can't do that, but they're not me in that regard. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's not being braggadocious or pat myself on the back. That's that 30% I bring to the table, right? So that even if they bring in somebody else that can do the 70%, it's like in terms of cultivating that network, in terms of like this past weekend, my agency had me judge a Black Founders pitch competition for their main incubator in Chicago. Right. Because they know I'm going to look at this differently than what they would. I'm not going to just get any advertisement. And even on the call, like, hey, I told one girl, hey, to be honest with you, don't know. But email me after this because I got somebody I can connect you with. Right. Mm -hmm. Even for that, like that's not even about winning this competition. But it's like maintaining that connectivity and maintaining that network. In terms of how can you help everybody win? And that's ultimately what I'm good at. 
Mm. I like that. I like how both of y'all came from a place of abundance with it as well. You with the insurance, you know, you're talking about how can I help these people understand that this isn't just for whenever you die. Mm -hmm. This is for whenever you live. And this is the advantages that you can take care of this. You can pay your medical expenses because we know in the black community, you have a higher rate of high blood pressure. You have a higher rate of diabetes. So like you said, a lot of times these medical expenses can really weigh heavy on the family. And I think that's one reason why we're not ahead as a community because yes, in the two different dichotomies, in the white community, you'll see where they pass down the wealth. Mm-hmm. In the black community, we work and we want to help. The younger generation is pumping the money back into the older generation, mm-hmm. whereas the other community is vice versa. They're mm-hmm. pumping it into the younger generation. Mm-hmm. So I like how you came with that thinking and that logic. And I like how you, Evan, whenever you got into it, you're like, okay, I'm in advertising, but I can understand how this is able to affect us on a deeper level on the representation or the mm-hmm. lack of representation yeah. in these certain brands and these certain situations. So now I'm in a position of power. I can create these type of, you know, relationships and these networks. And then also whenever y'all need something, I'm the person that can be the connector. I'm the missing mm-hmm. piece. Mm-hmm. So now you need me. So now I have the leverage mm-hmm. and that's, Probably another reason why you're able to do the things that you're able to do. And I like how y'all both were able to make what y'all are doing very advantageous and also plug it into your entrepreneurial journeys with what you're doing with black menswear. So I, think, I just wanted to commend. No, I, I, again, I think something that's really pivotal there is that, you know, from a team perspective, you understand where you lie in the team, mm-hmm. right? Like you understand your role in that and you find other people that thrive in those other areas and let them thrive. One thing, you know, we had our kickoff retreat here in January. We all got together. And one of the topics of conversation about that was trust, right? And Evan brought up a a really interesting point about that is when you're building a team out, even if you don't build a team out, a lot of times people say this thing, they always say, you know, I didn't trust that person or I don't trust that person. And it's not that you don't trust that person. You didn't trust yourself to make the decision of having that person in your life, Mm. right? Because if I trusted myself to bring you in my circle, why would I doubt anything that you do? I should have vetted you out enough. Mm-hmm. I should be close enough to you to know that not a person's not going to do that, mm-hmm. right? But yet I take that and I internalize it and say, I don't trust him. It's like, no, you don't trust yourself with the decision that you made to bring that person in. With people that you bring on your team and you put them in roles, there are often times where people start second guessing people that they put in roles. Why are you second guessing them if you brought them and you mm-hmm. put them in that role? You selected that person for that role. So even if there are things that they don't do well, how do you remind yourself as to why you brought them in mm-hmm. and help bring that out? So that way, whatever they're not doing well, it becomes a part of what they do well because you're able to bring that out in the people, right? And so even thinking about how our team, that and he ever mentioned the accountability, that's something that we consistently do because we know we're all dogs. Like we're all beasts in our own different lanes. And so how do we make sure that we all grow and develop together for this brand because this brand is bigger than us. It's bigger than the four of us that are on the leadership team. It's bigger than our five additional teammates outside of that. Like it's bigger than us. And so how do we make sure that we do what we're supposed to do to create and continue to grow it and do that in a way where I trust decisions that he's going to make. He trusts the decisions that I'm going to make. Y'all trust each other's decisions, right? And so making sure that from that growth perspective, that that's a really important part of it. And that's how we seem to have thrived over these last few mm-hmm. years. So I want to ask y'all, do y'all feel like y'all 
experience in the corporate world has helped y'all in that respect? Because I feel like oftentimes with entrepreneurship, and I know this was a struggle for us whenever we first started as a team, outside of Kelly, we didn't have corporate experience. So we've kind of fell into that trap where it was like, oh, if you can't do it, I'm going to do it. And if I can't do it, you go do it. So like, how do you, I guess, like navigate that? Like, was that never a process with y'all? Or like, because y'all already had that corporate experience, it kind of was... No, nah, you can't say that because corporate experience and entrepreneurship are two totally different things. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Totally. Totally. I go into my job. I don't worry about healthcare benefits being paid. I don't worry about lights not being turned on. I don't worry about lawsuits. You I ain't, that ain't my job. You do. That ain't my job. Yeah, I go in. I do what I'm supposed to do. As an entrepreneur, you worry about all of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you don't have it in place, like, and let that notice come from the IRS that says, you haven't filed your franchise taxes this year, so you can't accept no money until you pay us this fine. Right? You know what I'm saying? Like stuff like that. It's like, I'm not prepared for that. I'm not prepared for that. And I say, you know, to answer that, yes, there are things that we have both gained mm-hmm. from being in the corporate world. Maybe it's, uh, you know, how to interact with t- teammates, coworkers, right? Mm-hmm. In a way that don't get you fired. Or, <laughs> but even as an entrepreneur, you might not necessarily have to do that because mm-hmm. you like, you know, it's me and who I bring in. There are things, yes, but I, to that point, I know plenty of successful entrepreneurs that never had the corporate space, but it's always about the person. Mm -hmm. And when it comes down to that, it's always about how they're getting knowledge and getting information that they're helping to push their business forward. You can get that same knowledge and information from somewhere else. It don't got to be working in the corporate space. Mm -hmm. And so are you developing yourself to make sure that you want to move your business to the next level? That's where the success lies, not necessarily having to be, you know, in that corporate world. Mm -hmm. I got you. I guess I was just kind of asking because like, you know, the structure and all of the business, right? like they have the teams and whatnot. Right. Right. Yeah. Again, from that, I would say a yes from a training. I got some pretty darn good training. Mm-hmm. But it, again, even that training just helped me realize me, mm-hmm. you know, saying bring out the best in me. It's like, OK, I'm good at this. Mm-hmm. And so that helps kind of refine that to an extent. But again, you can get that training, you know, Absolutely. anywhere. Yeah. Right. And then to, you know, I will say to the point of politicking, I think I got that a little bit out of <laughs> out of being in the corporate world. Cause yeah, you know, I moved through a room in a way that's like, all right, cause I was talking with the CEO here and then I was talking with the, you know, senior VP here and I was talking with the director here and knowing how to kind of manage those conversations. Mm-hmm. Don't be long-winded with the CEO cause he got stuff to do, but make sure he remember you, you know what I'm saying? Quick, little, boom, boom, boom. And then be out the way. Nice to meet you. I know you got, let me go. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I'll spend more of my time talking with the director cause the director going to be the person that's going to say, Hey, you know what? I need you for a special project. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to get in front of the senior VP because you're working with the director. Right. And so that and how that leverage. So it's knowing who you spend more of your time with to get to where you inevitably want to be. I think I did get that from the corporate world. What about you, E? Oh, man, um, I think it's a little bit sure. Both, I guess my answer is slightly a little bit different in that. I think especially a lot of times, especially with, you know, black folks, we entrepreneurship is valuable. You should definitely own want to own your own business, have those dreams, have those aspirations. That being said, I think a lot of millennials and Gen Z also kind of look down and have a negative connotation about having that corporate side. Mm-hmm. I believe in that is that you actually, you need people on both, right? Like to be honest, keep it space, space. if I don't work for Weber, y'all don't get the deal y'all did. Nah, nope. That's, right. And that's a fact. Right. Right. So you need people on both sides. Like, even if you look at like from music, you need your Andre Harrells, you need your Chris Lighties, right? Like mm-hmm. from a McDonald's franchisee portion, you need your Don Thompson, who used to be the CEO of McDonald's. Like you need those people. Like you need your Melody Hobson's who owns the founder of Ariel Investments. George Lucas's wife is a black woman. People don't know that. 
right? Mm -hmm. Need those people that look like us also in those corporate environments because that's how you also help get those money. That's how you get those partnerships. Even if you build your business as an entrepreneur, now you need another partner you want to partner with that's a corporation. It's tough for you to get that deal if it's people that don't look like us that's also on that same side as well, yeah. right? So like, that's why a big deal with me is like, yes, the entrepreneurial value is important, but I think you also need people on both sides that champion each other. And, you know, and that being said, the problem, I think the negative gates, you know, the worst thing, the most dangerous person in the world is a black person that enjoys being the only black person in the room, right? Don't nobody deal with that. Don't nobody want to be that guy, right? Yeah. The value is when you get in those rooms, though, is what are you doing? How are you putting that ladder back down? Yeah. Mm. Like that, once you send that ladder back down, you lift your hand to bring that next person up. It don't matter if you're the only SVP in your company and you're the only black person. Okay, it's cool right now, but where's your pipeline at to who's going to come up with you? Right. Like if you the SVP, you need to be do your do what you gotta do for your six, eight months to lay the groundwork, but you doing that so you can say, all right, these next two brothers, they VPs right behind me. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what it's about. It's not just about how I've obtained this. It's like, how can you bring somebody else up? And, but also when you get in those rooms, that's also, hey, I'm, whether it's insurance, working with these black owned companies, where you work in finance, giving loans to small to black owned businesses, mm-hmm. right? How you have that power, you're in position to empower those that need those resources as well. Mm. And I think that's a very good topic that you just touched on. And I kind of want to take a segue because this is something we were talking about on the page actually this week, focusing on the individual versus focusing on the community. And I like how you just touched on that. You know, sometimes we'll be like, you know, we got to do it for the community. Make sure that we're taking care of the community. And you touched on, you know, we're not all monolithic. We're not all going in one way. But I do like how you say, you know, lay the groundwork so that you can have people come behind you. And I think it is what first you have to focus on yourself as an individual. Mm -hmm. But I think whenever you're focusing on yourself as an individual, you should be saying the reason why I'm doing this is to inspire Mm -hmm. and pave the way Mm -hmm. for the community. Exactly. Exactly. So I just kind of wanted to open up the floor for that discussion, because I think it's a lot of times where people think it's either or like, oh, you got to be doing this for the whole community and you can't make sure that, you know, you're pulling yourself up the ranks. Like it's just got to be community, community, community. And like, how do y'all balance that? I think that's a good point. We deal with that all the time, Dre, with black menswear, right? You know, mm-hmm. suited and booted, you know, how many times we got to, while we dub it, people love what we doing. You also get those, it's 50, you know, everybody's don't like you. So 80% of people love us. We still got that 15, 20% that's like, <laughs> all your brother's doing is wearing suits, right? Like, what are y'all really doing to make impact? Y'all don't know that we just adopted a kid high school kid that's about to go to University of Houston on full the academic ride. Y'all don't know that we're doing suit giveaways for HBCU grads. Y'all don't know that we got mentorship programs. We partner with Urban League. Ask those questions. But what happened? Y'all just see one photo and you just make these assumptions. Mm-hmm. You're not doing all of this work. Mm-hmm. Right? To your point, Jalen, is that like, oh, you aren't doing impact the way I would. So if you're not doing it the way I would, I don't like how you're doing it. Versus like, no, just because I'm not doing it the way you would doesn't mean it's not also having a great impact as well. I'm not you. Yeah. I create impact and how you create impact in different ways. Same thing. We're talking about systemic oppression. I believe I can do that with advertising as that is direct to our homie, Justin Moore, who's a civil rights attorney. No, it's not. But what you need both of us, mm-hmm. Andre from the life insurance, you need what you guys are doing from Black Wealth Renaissance from a financial literacy standpoint to all make an impact in the community, mm-hmm. right? We're all giving impact and changing the narrative in our own ways that way. Who are you to say just because somebody isn't doing it the way I would do that that's the incorrect way to do? 
I think a lot of times that divide has been with amongst our community. It's like, no, it's impact over purpose, right? And if that person is willing to make impact, embrace the fact that that person is willing to do impact. And how can you help extend that narrative? And how do you help expand how they're choosing to make impact versus negating how they're choosing to do it? Mm. I kind of want to make a point today. Nine <laughs> times out of 10, the person who say who you, oh, I'm I, not, I, not that. I already knew it was in my head. You're not doing it the way I would do it yeah. is. They, they ain't doing shit. Right. 100%. <laughs> we all know it. 100%. We all know that. Yeah. You all sitting know. home on the sofa <laughs> in your drawers <laughs> eating cinnamon toast and crunch. You got yeah. the hot Twitter thing. It's all right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, I think, you know, within and also echoing that, you got to consider everybody, everybody is not the leader. Everybody is not the supporter. Everybody is not the attendee, mm. right? Everybody plays a different role in all of that. And so when it comes down to this bridge between community and taking care of me and my family and making sure we straight, I think it comes down to knowing how you play a part in everything, right? Because in my home, I am the leader, right? They look up to me, my wife and my kids, they rely on me. But then in my role for my job. I'm a leader of source, but I ain't the CEO. Well, yeah. Right. Right. Like I am for black men's work, but I still go to that and I'm able to balance that to understand where I play in that, in that role. Right. And then I come to back men's work. It's like, all right, well, shoot, I'm a CEO. This organization depends on me. Right. If I mess something up, we all going down to that extent. Right. So that's why, like from a CEO perspective, it's like, mm-hmm. you got to make sure you do what you're supposed to do. But knowing that I put that hat on here, I don't put that hat on over here, mm-hmm. even though if opportunity presents itself, I'm a shine. Yeah. Yeah. But I ain't gonna come in there and bust a dough in and be like, hey, this is what we should do. And we got to do this. There's a subtle way that you approach everything. And so even kind of like from that mindset of me knowing where I fit in the community in that regard. And then when I look at being in a role to be able to impact the community that I lead, how I can take the experience of being in the community and help contribute to me understanding how I should help those that are in that particular community. I'm a real big person on a servant leadership tenants, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like, and again, being at the organization that I work for, National Life Group, we've had the same CEO for 11 years. And in financial services institutions, that is not likely. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times, especially on public uh, organizations, they ain't meeting you ain't meeting goals, you right? out of here. You out of here, right? And so to be a, to have the same guy leading and going taking us from like the number 40 insurance company to the number nine, right? That's, yeah, that's to, to do that, you asked him the question. He said, what is it? He said, I respect everybody. I respect everybody. Everybody, every position, I respect them, right? Because if not, I'm not doing their role. I'm not doing their job. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I respect them and I understand and trust them. And he's like, from a leadership, from a servant leadership aspect, the better the relationships that you have with your employees or your community, mm-hmm. the better your organization is going to be, period. Because people are happy and enjoying coming into being a part of your organization, even if even if they get paid less, mm-hmm. even if they spend more hours on the job, if they enjoy it, they're passionate about it, and you make them feel special, you make them feel a part of the bigger, like the bigger goal right there, and they're actually contributing to that, they're naturally going to enjoy themselves and they're naturally going to do better. We do more business because we took the approach of making sure that our company culture was right mm-hmm. and that we provide solutions that people, that our consumers need and desire. Mm-hmm. And if they have suggestions on how we can make our products better, we implement that. You know what I'm saying? Like what? We implement that because that helps us to continue to grow and develop. And so that servant leadership approach of actively listening mm-hmm. and then taking that information and using that to yeah, make our organization better. Acting yeah. On, yeah. Like that's really what I think continues to push that and continues to drive that to be a part of something and then 
growing something because you know what it's like to be a part of something. Mm-hmm. You got to be getting people invested. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Man. So with these, uh, cause I did kind of want to circle back to that. You mentioned these products with national life group. Are they offering some of these like more innovative products for people in the like underrepresented communities? Kind of like I ever mentioned, like, cause you know, we, we go in our neighborhoods. We know what we see. Yeah. We see the yeah. check cash in places. We yeah. see a lot of the predatory financial institutions. Yes. So what type of things do they offer for that? So one thing that you'll you know, kind of consider of being a life insurance company, one thing that I love that we're able to say as an organization, our, our company is 173 years old, based in Vermont, mm-hmm. with no record of policies based on slave trade. Mm. Right? So we didn't make our earnings based on companies like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to put them out there, but other organizations, very large organizations that they basically invested in slave trade, which helped generate their business and build their organizations. Right. Mm-hmm. And so not having that baggage to where, to know that, you know, there was a space in the industry that was selective issuing of life insurance policies, right. Based on who you were would negate how large of a policy you could get. Mm-hmm. Right. Those, uh, the word is something practices, uh, discriminatory practices, mm-hmm. right. Of how, okay, well, we want to put, allow more money to go into these communities. So we'll allow them to get better policies, more inexpensive policies mm-hmm. versus, Oh, if you want life insurance policy, it's going to be a death. It's going to be a final expense policy. And it's going to cost you a lot because final expense, your death is imminent. Right. And so when we look at life insurance, we look at products that, again, focus on the living aspect of it, not just specific to our community, mm-hmm. as it would say, but us getting this message to our community of saying, hey, don't go in debt because you don't have anything prepared for your health expenses, mm-hmm. right? Use, start putting money into life insurance and think about it as an asset versus a liability. That's my whole approach to it. If you think about your life insurance policy as an asset, mm-hmm. because especially if you're using a permanent policy, like an IUL, mm-hmm. we are very big in index universal life the number two seller of Index Universal Life is National Life Group. Because we focus on accumulating money within your policy Mm. and then tapping into that money tax-free, right? So you grow the money, get the money tax-free. If I get sick, I get a check Mm -hmm. tax-free. If I die, my beneficiaries get the money tax-free, right? And so using that and my role within that is showing our community about this tool, Mm. right? IUL is fairly new. Whole life has been around for a while. Whole life is basically, you know, cash value accumulation with a life insurance policy, mm-hmm. but you're going based on dividends. If I can give you something that grows a lot quicker over time or can snowball, excuse me, not grow a lot quicker, but can snowball better because you have a larger opportunity for growth. And growth yes. And- yes. And, you know, tapping into different indexes. So if, if you've allocated some of your money within your policy to go to something that's riding the S&P 500, mm-hmm. if the S&P 500 wave growing, goes up, yeah. you're going to grow to an extent along with that, right? But our people aren't familiar with these kind of policies. We used to get in a policy for Big Mama when she like died. We're going to put you in the ground. Nah. A, bought a term policy 20 if, years ago. If I died, not only should you be able to pay off my mortgage, you should be able to replace my income for 10 years, and you should be able to take care of your children's expenses, education, all those things. That's what a life insurance policy should be, right? And if I got sick along the way, I got a way to tap in so I don't mm-hmm. got to liquidate my retirement, all this stuff, just to afford to keep living. Real quick. So I know you just mentioned that, like, so people hear that, like, it's life insurance, right? How can I tap into it while I'm still living? Are these just like riders on the... Yes, yes. So there are what we call living benefit riders or accelerated benefit riders. What it does is basically says, so you die, you get the full death benefit, Mm -hmm. right? That's the contract. I got a million dollar policy. If I die, my family gets a million dollars tax-free. If I have an illness that brings me so close to death, it's very, very severe, Right. If it's very, very severe, you dang near dead, 
you're going to get more access to that money while you're alive. So they accelerate based off of how close you are to death. Mm. And you can qualify based off a different level, terminal illness, critical illness, heart attack, stroke, cancer, chronic illness. I can't do out of two out of six activities mm-hmm. of daily living. So there are different ways that you can access it. The more severe it is, what they'll say is you can either take some of it and leave some of your death benefit, or you take all of what we offer and you it basically you surrendered. you surrendered your policy to mm-hmm. that extent, right? You made a choice. I want to tap into it while I'm alive. I'm going to take all of that. Or I can take some of that and leave something when I die, right? So that's the true aspect of it. To a lot of people, they just get a policy that only covers them if they die, right? If you die, boom, this is the check that your beneficiary is going to get. That's like having a cell phone from 1925 or they weren't even around then, right? Right. Now your cell phone, you can text, talk, get directions, email, all of that. Why why do you have a life insurance policy that doesn't cover you for a lot of all these different apps and stuff that you put on your phone? You need to have that part of your policy. So getting these riders that build out the policy to a non-extensive, you know, expensive avenue, and then utilize that to cover yourself in multiple ways than just dying. Mm -hmm. Quick lesson on life insurance. I love it. I love it. Yeah, man. We yeah, talk, and, Look, and, and, black men's where we all encompassing. You know what right. I'm saying? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. I love yeah. it. Very yeah, it diverse. Man. Yeah, man. Y'all built an amazing team from all the way across the country. Like you in Chicago, you in Dallas. You yeah. see y'all other partner. Our creative directors in Baltimore. Baltimore. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but you hear him talk, you know he's from Baltimore too. He got that. Right. <laughs> yes. Hey man, that's crazy. I don't know them Baltimore people, man. They talk about a Louisiana accent. Right. Baltimore. I'd be like, Yeah, they got one too. Right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> no, man. Yeah, that's dope. That's really dope. And I love like just the power of the partnership between everything which y'all do. Like I love that y'all can bring value from different experiences yeah like yeah. The different experiences yeah. people always see like the one dimensional thing like evan you kind of mentioned it again earlier with like people they'll just see the pictures and they'll think that's the whole story right and the whole right. story is more than that you brothers are doing way more than just getting people together to take pictures and be fly in suits right but even to that point that's hard to cut you off but to that point like you know as you guys are building things out you always have like these like aha moments one for me was we had our pastor jamal bryant shout out new birth in Atlanta, Pastor Jamal Bryant. Dre, we hosted uh, a YouTube series called Dapper Conversation that Dre's one of the hosts of. So Jamal Bryant was on there, and Dre's first question was, how did you hear about Black menswear? Jamal said, man, y'all was in my town in D.C., and I'm looking at this, and y'all got 250 brothers show up. Y'all got 250 brothers Ain't no food. Ain't no drink. <laughs> the women, it's like, he said, they just there just because, and they in suits. He said, I run the biggest church in Atlanta. I can't get men to show up, period, let alone brothers show up in suits. <laughs> if y'all can get 250 guys to show up in suits, but y'all are really not asking them to do anything. You're not offering them anything in terms of like food, alcohol, and drink women. Like think about how it is to get 200 people to come to anything. Like if you want to have a birthday party right now, it's hard to get 200 people to show up. <laughs> oh, that's so, the fact that, right. so the fact that we can do that, even that within itself still is impact. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, obviously it is more than just the photo, but the fact that you were willing to have 200 like-minded men wanting to Mm -hmm. that want to connect, because when you come, it's like, you know what, if these guys are here, they're going to, they on the same thing that I'm on. Right. I don't got to worry about, oh, you know, if this is dude's legit, like I want to build with this dude. Oh, what you do? Let me holler at you. Cause if you here, we already got like-minded. Right. And even, you know, even as men, it's tough to find people like that even outside of your extended circles anyways, right? right? So I think even the power in developing, you can't have community without unity. So the fact that we foster a a unified group, a unified togetherness of Black men, that's honestly 
for me, that's what that photo symbolizes. That's what you see within that photo, even more so than just the inspiration of, for the next generation. And what's even deeper, like, so he hit on a point and I'm going to go one step deeper, right? The fact that we break so many stereotypes in one of these events. Hey, y'all, what's up? It's Devin here from Money Honeys. If you're a fan of learning about your business and finances through storytelling and pop culture, then you got to be sure to check out and subscribe to Money Honeys, a show that covers the nitty gritty of maintaining your personal wealth through fun conversation. And you know what? It's brought to you exclusively by the Revolt Podcast Network, anchored in hip hop, powered by creators. Right. Black people can't be on time. We start at 10 o'clock. We start shooting at 10 o'clock through the flash mob. Black people can't work together. We got 250 strangers together. They don't know him. They don't know. They don't know. Well, maybe five of them know each other, right? Yeah. Hey, y'all, we pulling up together, right? So we can't work together. We are unified. Black people don't follow instructions. We have a whole shoot schedule. When you go to one, you're going to be like, oh, they put this together, right? Four photographers, 250 people, 60 minutes. You got to move. Hmm. If they you're getting 100 pieces of content out of it. They follow on each other, right? They follow on instructions. They follow on orders. No drama. No cussing nobody out. Bro, you stepped on my shines. Like, it, nothing. Oh, man, my fault, good brother. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. all of that. Treat that each is, other with respect. Yes. But they say you can't do that. You yeah. know? We're animals together. And we can't. Nah. And it shows it. And then we do it in one city. Take it. Then we go to another city with a whole new group of strangers. And they do it. We've had, we just passed 2,000 participants. At our flash mob total, 2,000. By the end of this year, we might push another whole thousand. We might get to 3,000. Y'all doing another brothers one in that Dallas, man? With us, who Dallas come back 2023. Dallas, we've done six here. I got to spread. It's got to be global. You know what I'm saying? It's got to It's got to be global. But I ain't going to be really, too long. Really, go ahead. The next one, yeah. I'll try to be a part yeah. of it, goddamn. I'll put it up in the Dre. Black Men's Wear original for that one. Dre, Dre, name all the stops for the year. People got to know what the stops yeah, are. Yeah, so, all right. So we, we started in Atlanta. We just did Houston last month. We got New York City in May. We got Chicago in June, Juneteenth Father's Day weekend. That's oh, going to be lovely. Hard. Hard. We've got Toronto in July. And I'm going to drop this now. If we can't go to Toronto, we're going back to L.A. We got Detroit in August. We've got Philly in September. We've got Seattle, the great Northwest in October. We've got Paris, France in November. And then we've got Miami, Florida in December. Paris. <laughs> Hey, y'all go. Hey, that Paris. I love hard. it. I love that's it, hard, bro. Man. Yeah, but again, like, you know, we talked about growing the business and developing the business. Mm-hmm. Again, having a partner that looked at it from that approach of he had done stuff with shows and tours. Mm-hmm. So he's like, hey, develop this thing out to know we should make this a tour. Right. Because at that point, when I first started going and doing and traveling, it was based on where I was going for work. So if I had to go to a recruit meeting here, I'm see if I can get here, together. Yeah. yeah. And then it was like, now nah, let's be strategic and make it a tour because we got people. We got my guy, Will. Will's been to six, Damn. six different cities, six different flash mobs pulling up, he's coming just, to New York. Hey. He like, and he's like, now nah. he's like, bro, this is, um, dang, somebody just said it. Like, I can't remember who said it, but they was like, man, I was trying to get into the city and find my people. And this is my people. Mm. So he like, I'm going like, it's my people. It's going to be your tribe. It's going to be my like, tribe. Everywhere you, yeah. These yeah. people, the people that's pulling up to these are like-minded individuals. Yes. These ain't going to be the rambunctious brothers. This is the brothers. Right. Who it, and the thing about it, too, is that guys that have come to one that was like, let me just try this. Right. I see his good energy. Let me go. 
because now even a little bit of it is a fashion like brothers gonna pull up and be flex. Yeah, yeah, they gonna flex. Gotta come with the drip. They gonna flex. And so you know, while the greater point is just the community and the networking within that, you have guys that have come to one, dressed one way. And then they come to that second and they go, oh, you went to the tailor, bro. Like, you went, <laughs> you went got oh, that custom. Yeah. Bad, you, know, no, you got that custom. Like, you know, it's funny, but it's a beautiful thing. Even that, that gentleman feels even more better about himself because now he like, nah, I'm flexing in here too. Yeah. You know, like, that's a beautiful thing about it as well, man. And I kind of wanted to ask about that, like, because y'all both fashion swaggy as hell. Like, yeah, I'm a noob, so that's... <laughs> hey, I already, I already yeah. picked up on it, my brother. I ain't even gonna lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> but y'all both like fashion and swaggy. So, like, how are y'all teaching these people, even like the simplest of tying a tie? Because that's some things that we also were not exposed to. I ain't gonna lie to you. I remember my first time going to a dance, putting on a real tie. I got on my phone. Yeah. I was on YouTube. I was right. like, yo, how do I tie a tie? Right. I remember right. the first knot I tied was a Pratt knot. But I was like, yo, like, I had to go on YouTube and learn that. Yeah. So, like, some of those skills are still very valuable, too, though. Right. Like, even as far as, like you said, making sure that your shoes are shined, making sure, you know, this is how you wear your lapel. Mm -hmm. Like, once I got into school and got into fraternity, those were some of the things that they, they taught us. Yeah, right, so, like, right. how are y'all doing this and giving that to the community as well? We actually shout out Jacob Clayton, Taylor, founder of BM Co. Uh, so we, it is our suit line. Go check out our suit line, BM Co. We do have that as well. We have a line of neckwear that we're coming out with ties, you know, bow ties, pocket squares that we are dropping. Jacob's doing that. Jacob's actually in the process of developing YouTube content to touch on that very thing, Jalen. Like, literally, to do how to fold a pocket square. Here's these three or four different poles that you can utilize in various different scenarios. Here's a couple of different ways to tie a tie. Um, if you do a double brush jacket, you, you know, fasten the top, but, like, don't button the bottom, right? Yeah, right. Those little basic little Suit things. rule number one, no matter how yeah, many buttons button, you got on yeah. there. That bottom button, unless it's a one button, you got two buttons, don't do that right. bottom. You got three buttons, don't do that bottom. You got four buttons, don't the do the bottom. Button. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because to that point, like, people still want to value that. It's still valuable information yeah. uh, that people want to have. Because, like, at least call it a spade to spade. A lot of people don't know how to tie a tie. Right. right. It's going to be a situation if you're just going for a job, even if it's just your homie's wedding. You're going to need to know how to tie a tie. You don't want to be that dude. That's 19, 20 years old. Hit up your clip on. Uh, and with the clip on, or hit up your homie <laughs> like, hit up your homie like, bruh, I can't tie a tie. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's yeah. like, so it's like, to that point, like, that's what we trying to create that content and provide value to them in that way. Um, and that's one that we also, we kind of touch on this theory called, we like to say, enclosed cognition. You hear us talk about that on a regular basis, but pretty much that's how what you wear affects your cognitive process. Like mm -hmm. study, this Harvard study show, they did a study where they had people coming through wearing sweats and they had people coming through wearing sport coats and lab coats. The people that did sport coats, the same test, they just rearranged the questions to people. They did it better when they had a sport coat and lab coat because they just felt like they were smarter, right? It's like even when you think about, like, you know, when you about to, even from a female perspective, when you about to go to do this presentation, she ain't going to get the Jessica Simpson heels. She's going to get the Prada heels. Like I'm about to go kill them today, right? Because it's like, that's in closed condition. When you put it on, you look in the mirror like, I'm looking good. I'm about to go seize this world. Like Deion Sanders said, when you look good, good, you, feel good. good. you feel yeah. good, you play good. When they play good, you pay good. That's mm -hmm. cognition all the way through, yeah. right? And that's what we're big believers in that too. So that's also part of the reason we do wear the suits. It ain't even about just the suits. Like, should we like, we want to make wearing suits cool again. Because we honestly, mm -hmm. you know, when you still put that on, you still like your... Uh, not like a cape, but it just makes you feel better. Like, yeah, I'm looking, I'm about to go crush today. I'm going to seize this day. And even to that point of giving that knowledge and information back, like we all speak 
at schools and our communities. We all volunteer from that particular space. And we're even looking at how we can partner on a national level, our organization with another organization to be able to have that impact that we can then use our network to further push that forth with, with young boys to where it's just, you know, again, if we can help you flip that switch, right? And so the stuff that we do, even to uh, last year, right, the pandemic hit, we part of one of the organization gave away 15 suits to college graduates. They ain't even get to have no graduation, nothing like that. Yeah. And so how can we, you know, give them within that? And then within that, they got to go through a whole custom suiting process, which, shoot, I got my first custom suit when I started making suits. You know what I'm saying? Like, like that's the whole process. Hey, that's it's, a different look, too. Yeah, the whole process is different. We're not uh, used to that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know I remember I mean? the first so, time I went to a tailor. I was like, oh, this is different. Like, yeah, right, like, right. The yo, suit, the let me, suit let me going to hit different yeah, whenever a tailor, yeah. you know what a tailor <laughs> suit on. You'd be like, ooh. Right, right. And so using that and getting, you know, again, continue to use our platform, but then all of us individually, like that's a big thing for us whenever we have the opportunity or the position or the ability to, like we're present in the community to be able to have that one-on-one or one-on-10 or one-on-five conversation mm-hmm. because it means so much that somebody that can just sit there and talk. Obviously, you know, with me being, our, being part of Capital, that's something I do with Capital League, right? For our young boys that are in our, in our community that come in, you know, one of those fun Saturday that they get to do is all about how you dress for success, like dress for ways and how to do it not saying that that's the only way that you're going to get there, but you got to be prepared to get there. You know what I'm saying? And then, so how can we show them how to tie the tie, how to wear the right shirt, how to, you know, put it all together you know, in a way that's just going to help you further down the road. The downstairs. I love that. I love it. I love it. And, yeah, man. Like, that shit's beautiful. Uh, just because even a step further, like like you said, with the Capital League, or even if you're teaching some of these men that's coming to your events, these things, they're going to then be able to pass that down to their nephews or to their sons. And now you're instilling that into them at a younger age. And now it's not out of the norm. It is the norm. Right, right. That's a great, great way to hit it. Even though we love the fact that people are like, yo, like that's amazing. Like it shouldn't be. It should be like, yes, y'all are good. Y'all amazing. Great love what y'all doing. It shouldn't be surprised. Like, oh, why y'all got suits on? Yeah, like I I got a good story to that. When we was in Atlanta, we was in a hotel room. My god brother Spice, he came with us and he told us, he's like, man, y'all ain't gonna believe this what happened to me in the elevator. Like this brother, you know, it's Atlanta's all-star weekend. So, you know, it's a bunch of people out there. And he's like, man, it was a brother, black man saw him in the elevator with him, the black man with two women. He tried to clown my homie Spice. He goes, man, you dress like a white man. Spice looked at him and was like, nah, I'm dressed like an adult. <laughs> the dude didn't really know what to say. And because he thought he was going to respond. But the greater issue with that is that, like, he saw this brother. And obviously, this ain't no, like, navy blue with doctors, khakis, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. This is, like, suited, like what Dre got on. Like, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? But the fact that you saw this dude, this other black man in the suit who's your peer, mm-hmm. automatically thought goes, like, oh, man, you dress like a white man? That's also not okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's also not okay because it's not okay. But one, that shows that you also... Unfortunately, or however, it's just value yourself. Mm-hmm. You don't see other people that would wear a suit on a regular basis, whether it's peers, elder, your elder gentlemen. You don't see those people, right? And you also don't see enough representation, which is what we even on the internet towards like, oh, I see this guy in a suit. That's just who he is. You automatically have that negative connotation that you got to be dressing like a white person to do that. Even it goes both ways. How can we kind of put ourselves out there, which what Dre was just alluding to, so we can help debunk that as well? Because we don't want people even looking at each other. Like, bro, we need to come together. Like, you shouldn't be looking at me in this suit and automatically assume that I'm selling out or I'm trying to just like a white person because I'm doing this as well. Like, nah, this could just be me. This could just be my swag. 
Mm-hmm. They don't even got to be nothing more than that. This could just be my straight up drip. And if that's my drip, you got to appreciate that as well. So that's kind of, it goes both ways on that. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a good point to point out, man. Like just, and that's important with what y'all doing, like helping break that mental barrier of what it is like, Black men in business, that, that's crazy to me. Somebody will say some shit like that. You see a black man in the suit. But I mean, yeah, it's like, okay. every time I would have, I'd have never wore a suit, I get the same type of question. So I understand, <laughs> like, like what you got it on for? Like, that's why we got to continue to push yeah. and show yeah. and, like, yeah. let people know. I'm about to what y'all doing? my suit. Man. Yeah, man. No, I, 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 y'all definitely yeah. got. No, man. Like, man. I got to get yeah. the black men's wear custom. That's nah, the only yeah, suit I yeah, need, yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we get that. We get that working real quick. Yeah. I get with my brother, my man Jacob. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You had any other questions, Jared? Nah, I see Jared my boy Jared on. actually hopped on too. Yeah, man, I'm on the same now. But nah, I was just listening along and, and catching up with everything. It sounded crazy. Like I, what you said with that story, man, it really messed my head up too. Just like that, they would you dress like a white man? How? I'm dressed professional. You know, like what does this have to do with being white at all? Like that shouldn't be even the connotation that you make with that. Ain't even know where this man was coming from. Right. Right, yeah. right. And that's another thing, too, is the boldness of being able just to say that to somebody you don't even know. And that's socially acceptable. Right, right, right. Bro, I don't know you for nobody. Yeah. yeah. Don't project that onto me. Yeah. What you got going on in your head. That's why. Evan and Dre, man, we're going to hop into the last of it of the show. So we're going to ask y'all what's on your timeline. So what's something you seen on social media, the internet, anywhere, a newspaper for all I care that you just saw and want to speak on? Ooh. I'll take the opportunity, right? So um, this week, George Floyd's murderer was uh, given a guilty sentence, which was amazing to see the world's efforts not go. Because you know, I would say, man, that movement last year, unfortunately, brought more allies across the table, mm-hmm. right? It that did. was like, and again, it was because nothing was going on. They had to watch it. The world was shut down, right? So they had to watch it. They had to see how brutally. And the thing about it is. It was eight minutes and 47 seconds. That's a long time. Yeah, that's a long time of this position here that led to my demise, bro. It wasn't no, boom, you shot me in three seconds. This was a deliberate, like, yeah, I hear you. You okay, right? And then the life leaves a person's body. And so, you know, having that victory and then having something that happened, a few things that have happened within that same week. And, And the thing about it is, whether you agree or disagree with whatever instance has happened, what we are still consistently seeing is such a attackful nature of the police against our community, mm-hmm. right? It's not a de-escalation that they're supposed to be doing. It is, hey, we coming in blazing. If this don't go the way we want it to go in five seconds, it's a wrap. Like, that's how they come in from like an outlaw perspective. And so while, yes, we did have one victory, you immediately remember like, nah, that was cool. And so to be able to push forth more legislation is really what's going to be the change there. And I've mm-hmm. seen some things come across that they're trying to do. And I'm like, all right, as long as they just continue to, because y'all got our votes, damn it. You know what I'm saying? Y'all got our votes. Please don't leave us out to dry like everybody else has. Be the change. You know what I'm saying? And so from that perspective on, you know, on my end, that's something that's come across my timeline lately. I'm glad we got victory, but we still got a long way to go. But you can't go if you don't take a first step. And so I think we at least got, at least got a first step, even though 400 years later than it should have came for that. So, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic about things that come from this. And we got good people in leadership that I think are going to help 
to push some of that stuff forward. Because if not, we're going to get your ass out. We're going to get somebody yeah. else in there. Nah, big facts. Yeah, big facts. And I don't need it taking 25 years. Because, you know, I think one of the biggest right. things they always tell us is like, oh, just be patient. Wait, wait. Yeah, yeah. we've been waiting for a long, long time. Ass time man. <laughs> like these rule changes definitely got to go into effect. My biggest thing, I am glad that they held this man accountable because I know that shit was scary to me personally that like I'm listening to on TV and shit and they're like, he allegedly murdered George Floyd. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what the fuck you mean alleged? Mm-hmm. Like we watched this happen. Yeah. So like for a while there, I had me nervous. Like, bro, to be honest, he I might even, get off. I really considered, <laughs> oh, yeah. I thought he was going to get off. And oh, I was yeah. like, bro, oh, this yeah. is like, yeah. wow. Like y'all don't really care at all. Right. But right. The fact that he did actually go to jail shows that they're starting to hold a few more of the people in those positions accountable. Mm -hmm. But still, like you said, no one needs. It has to be a rule in place because they be so by the book. Well, if this is a rule in your book, ain't no, you know, if, ands, or buts about it. You know, you get, you do this, you are held accountable, period. Why is that so hard to fix? I think what also will help is for these same people, like, hurt their pockets. So, like, the way everything's set up right now, like, when these cops do this, right? Like, if Derek Chauvin wouldn't have went to jail, he'd have did what the other guys did. He took got leave. off, took leave, went work two, three cities over, and his family be good. But the city will be left with the debt from the civil suit mm-hmm. of George Floyd. Mm-hmm. Fuck the city. Take it from their family. Mm-hmm. Take it from their children from the next generation. I guarantee you some of them actions will be a little different. Right. Right. That's just a thought I'll be having yep. with it. Because, again, most of them don't get... Most of them. A lot of them don't get fired. They get suspended without pay. Well, suspended without pay means I'm coming back. I get paid when I get back. Or paid leave. Like, take some time off and revamp. And then they take their time to build up or break down a case that could be coming. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, you see the person back on the job. How you back on the job? You back on the job already? You don't need to go through nothing because you just killed somebody. You don't need to go through and clear that out because that got to be replaying in your head. I know that, you know, a lot of these guys are not. I don't know their story. I don't know who they are. But dang, if you somebody that can just like kill somebody and not think to be at the work the next couple of days. Yeah, that is a you problem. That's a psychological issue. You shouldn't even be in that role because to be in that role as a police officer, you need to have empathy and sympathy. Mm-hmm. You can't just go kill somebody and be like, all right, I'm back to work next week. What? That's what's on my timeline. Sorry, I took uh, a little longer. Nah, nah. <laughs> what about you, E? You got something you want to add? Man, uh, that was deep. Mine's slightly different. Y'all see the new Call of Duty Warzone commercial? Oh, that shit was hard, bro. I ain't gonna lie. Uh, I ain't gonna lie. It is a change of pace, but that shit was hard as hell. Uh, I didn't get excited in there. The reason I went with that, but I'm gonna go with a different thing. It ain't even about the video game for me. It's like, you see who they got in that commercial? Representation? That shit hard. Oh, you already knew where I was going. They got Gunner, Young Thug, Sweet. Sweet. jumping out a window, Sway my Lee. nigga. Yeah. Sway. I never saw that. Bro, they got Sway Lee. They got Mookie Bats. They got Dennis Schroeder. And it's like, yo, they got Drewski. It's like, yo, like, we really is. Yeah, right. Like, be the culture. Like, right. you know what I'm saying? Like, when you got a, the biggest video game in the world that got Sway Lee, Young Thug, Gunna, Saweetie, Mookie Bass. Yeah, Sweetie is in there. Dennis Schroeder and Drewski. Like, that, like, yo, like, them is, like, hitters. And it's, like, the fact that y'all are using them seven people. This ain't Jay-Z. This ain't Drake. These are people that are all still on the company. Like, while they're mainstream, they still haven't broke through all the way yet. Like, mm-hmm. he's not, like quote-unquote, white famous. Nah. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, she can't walk down the street and everybody know who she is. We know who she is, but she can't walk down, you know, Michigan Avenue, Rodeo Drive, and everybody's automatic. That's Saweetie over there. It might be a couple people, but she's not Kim Kardashian. So the fact that we got that level of culture impact with those people that you're going to put in the biggest video game 
in the world. And that's the cultural driver on that. That really shows that Black people, we are the cultural drivers. We are the creators of cool, right? Everybody kind of adopts to us. And if you believe in yourself, that's Black excellence. Why? Because you just got to be the best version of you. Sweetie don't got to be Cardi B. Sweetie don't got to be Beyonce. All she got to be is Sweetie, right? Mm -hmm. Don't got to be nobody else. Looks way Lee don't got to be nobody else. Dennis Schroeder don't got to be LeBron. He just got to be Dennis Schroeder, right? And then if you do that, I represent us. I speak to everybody. So that to me was dope. I committed the ad agency. One, they had to have crazy budget to get all that. I was just about to ask you, did you have something to do with this, man? I, 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 did, I did not. Bro, I wish. I wish I, that magic happened, man. Bro, I wish I had a campaign that had, bro, you know how much money, bro? You had $5 million easy just off of town alone. Off of town alone, you had to have $5 million in budget. Like, it, no doubt. So mm-hmm. like, talking, that campaign had to be $50 million. When you factor in the video editing and all that other stuff, yeah, $50 million. I wish I had a program I worked on like that. But for me, it was less about that. It was more so just about like, yo, like, yeah, the browning of America is real. If anything, you saw even over the last 2020, the positive of it, you saw the browning of America, whether it was cultural uprising but that we had and Lou, George Floyd, and Martin Aubrey, to even the Stop Asia Hate movement that you have going on now, right? Like the browning of America is real. And because of that, it's representation in all different forms, sizes, facets. And like that to me was dope with my timeline because that's not what I expected. Because even when you think of Call of Duty, because you know who plays Call of Duty? It's still them young white kids. Yeah. yeah. So the fact that they got us to speak to them to help buy this game, that shows that we really the culture drivers of cool. I ain't gonna lie. The coolest thing that Call of Duty had done to me up until this time was whenever they had like Ice Cube be a voiceover on, uh, I right. forgot which one it was, yeah. but I was like, oh shit, I could be Ice Cube. I was like, this shit hard. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. now nah, that's really dope that we having that representation. I'm gonna have to show you. Yeah, the I gotta thing check it out. It, it's, it's dope though. I ain't gonna lie. I fuck with it. But once again, I appreciate both of you brothers just for coming on, tapping in with us, and what y'all doing for the community, the positivity that yes, you're sir. injecting into the community. Um, I even like how you said we want to change the Google search. Whenever I search black man. I don't want to see nobody in no prison thing. Right, I want right. to see some suits. I want right. to see some doctors, some right. lawyers and right. stuff like that. Right. So I love that that was one of the goals and the driving factors for that. So definitely appreciate having y'all on this show, my brothers. Yes. Uh, and, thank y'all. And for everybody that's tuned in, tapped in, how can they follow, like, not only just the brand, but y'all individually and tap in with all the different things that y'all got going on? I can they get the suits? I yeah, need, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody goes look at Dre and they'll be like, man, I need that, man. Yeah. Uh, obviously, at Black Menswear, the website, we are blackmenswear.com. Honestly, the website is beautiful. It's phenomenal. So that'd be your first route. Go to the website. You get to the shop. You get to, you know, really see all the different levels of content that we have. So again, we are blackmenswear.com. Myself, personally, I am Mr. Broussard, Mr. Spelled out M-I-S-T-E-R-B-R-O-U-S-S-A-R-D. Um, you can see me in pictures of my wife and kids. That's, that's on my social. But man, appreciate y'all having us on there. Yeah, yeah. Also, I mean, you ain't do the suit job, bro. You ain't do the suit. Well, I did the suit up. So if you go to We Are Black Men's, where you'll see BM and Co., which is the suit line that we honestly, man, we dropped. We partnered and dropped the suit line during the pandemic, and we are up 140% in sales. You know, believe it, man. Yeah, yeah. It's man, suits, uh, BM and Co., right? BM, CO, menswear is the actual site for the website for the suits. But, and yes, yes. Yeah, I would say that. We also got, you know, we on YouTube. We got our podcast. We trying to get on y'all level with the podcast. So we trying to make like y'all. <laughs> uh, like, yeah, plug that in. Facts. Let them, let them know where they go listen. Yeah, we got uh, the check-in. It's on all podcast platforms. Dre is actually the host of that. You know, Apple, Spotify, all the podcast networks out there. Personal handle is it's whatever. It's underscore what underscore ev. Uh, you follow me. I post a lot of 
try to be inspirational, you know, do a quote of the day every day. I love doing that because in the day, you don't know who you're going to impact with that. You know, you can say something mm-hmm. like one day, you can make somebody apply for a job. You can motivate somebody to be you, be great. So that's what I do. And that's it. That's all I got. So I love it. Y'all definitely tap into what they're doing. My black men, y'all definitely go get one of them suits. I need y'all to have that in y'all closets. Y'all definitely be tapped into what they're going to be doing on YouTube. I'll say to uh, black women, buy your black man a black men's wear suit. Ooh. I'm just saying. There you go. Show that man you y'all love him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Show him that you love him. Just like and y'all want us to buy these dollar. big ass rings. Yeah, buy him right. a nice ass buy suit. Buy him a nice suit. Yes. 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 <laughs> and we're going to say we went to BMN Coat. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Man, I love it. I love it. And we're going to get into some house cleaning before we get up out of here. Once again, want to say thank you to everybody who taps in week in and week out. If you are a new listener, appreciate you. Definitely hope that you got some value from this. I really got some value from this conversation. And also, if you are a new listener, take a deep dive into our catalog. Go see some of the things that we talk about. We talk about things that are relatable to Black men, but we also talk about wealth building. We talk about entrepreneurship. We talk about investing. We also talk to our queens and figure out some of the things that's going on with them in their world. So definitely take a deep dive into our catalog. If you can, leave us that five-star rating. Give us a review. Let us know where we can improve if you see something that you don't like. We take constructive criticism, and uh, we definitely look and understand what y'all like and what y'all don't like. This is about impacting the community. And this is something that we really take near and dear to our hearts. So we're going to try our best just to make sure that it is impactful. Also, if you are interested, sign up for BWR Academy. Sign up for our academy where we will be creating this community, where we'll be teaching you the principles to financial literacy. We'll be talking about budgeting. We'll be building savings accounts. We'll be building investments accounts. We'll be getting people on life insurance. Man, it's, taking it's a advantage. Lot. Yeah, like it's a lot. BWR education, Academy is about to be robust. Education, personal finance, uh, not only education, partner with a community and accountability, as we were talking about earlier. That's going to be the biggest thing with it. If you want to be on the wait list for that, you can take, what's the word? So first, you got to text your email. First, I need you to text your email uh-huh. to 337- Four five five seven 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 eight. I don't care what time you text me. Like Mike Jones, hit me up on the low. Like three three seven four five five seven seven eight. Text your email. After you text your email, you'll get a response saying, "Yo, what's the secret code? Secret code is going to be learn. Just text back learn, and you'll be added on the wait list for anything that's coming up. Uh, any of the newest news with the community. Um, we will be very exclusive with our first opening to this." just because we want to make sure that we can effectively impact the people. So we're not just trying to take and just trying to make sure, you know, this is as big as it can be. No, we're trying to have that impact and really serve people and really make sure that your situation is going to be better after joining this community. So with that said, my brother Jalen. Hey, everyone. It's DJ Candy right here from the Carefree Black Girl podcast. If you're a fan of music, entertainment, and Black women, then be sure to check out and subscribe to the Carefree Black Girl podcast, a show that covers all things carefree, Black, and girl. And it's brought to you exclusively by the Revolt Podcast Network, anchored in hip-hop, powered by creators.